if we want to like be in that state of flow and also be more productive, we have to make sure that we're a thermostat, not a thermometer. So a thermometer just reacts to the environment, right? It just tells you what's going on. But a thermostat changes the temperature. You're listening to certified professional organizer, Erica Salou. If you've ever felt like your life has devolved into barely controlled chaos, you're going to love today's episode. In our conversation together, Erica and I talk about how to get control back in your life with specific tips Erica says her clients are using right now to improve their productivity and relieve stress. And you're about to hear them now because Erica is today's guest on Solopreneur Success. Welcome to the Solopreneur Success Podcast, where successful business owners gather to share true stories and sound advice to help you start and grow your own solopreneur business. Come soar with us and design the life you love. Now, here's your host, Steve Combs. Hello, solopreneurs. Today, I'm interviewing certified professional organizer, Erica Salou. I am super excited about this conversation because as a solopreneur, I know sometimes that my environment devolves into barely controlled chaos. I've also found that I take the time to organize and use systems that keep me organized to have a lot more peace and focus. I'm sure you've had similar experiences. That's why I've invited Erica, who has been a certified professional organizer since 2003 and a longtime member of Holistic Organizers. Now, that's a group of international organizers who integrate spiritual and holistic principles and practices into their work and advocate for a compassionate, heart-centered approach to organizing to chat with me today about the importance of organization and to share some real-world tips that are working for her clients right now so you can focus better and succeed faster. So, Erica, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Okay, I have to say one thing about something you said, though. I've been an organizer since 2003, but not a certified professional organizer until 2009 because there was no such thing until 2009 as a certified professional organizer. It didn't exist. It only came into existence later after I'd been an organizer. It's sort of, we're a very new industry, as you know. And so that certification, yeah, just came into being then. Actually, and I just got recertified now this past month in October. Wow. So you actually predate the certification. You've been doing this for, for so long. You probably, I'm just curious, did you have input into that, that process of certifications or how did that come about that you got your first certification? Now you went to that topic. I got to run there now. <laughs> yeah. Well, I didn't have input into it when it started and I waited like a year before I figured, you know, anything new, you want to wait till they get the kinks out of it. So I was like waited. And then I was in like that second group that got certified right after that. But now I do have input. I'm on the item writing committee for the certification. So I help write and form the new questions because the, the test steps always change for new organizers. So when you get certified, it's not just a test. You also have to have a lot of like hours of organizing within a certain time period. So a lot of organizers, even who had been organizers for years, couldn't get certified because they did it part-time. Like they were really seasoned organizer, but they didn't have a chunk of organizing in that small amount of time. So they really want people who are doing it full-time. That's their job. So now I do have input. And so we go to Florida and we sit, not during the pandemic, but we like write questions. We like go through them, like crafting them to make new questions for the test so that they can use them. And the test can always be changing. And then also updating what kind of information really is to organizing. So now we cover a lot of things like productivity and neuroscience and things that years ago wouldn't have been in the test because 
everything's always evolving. And we're like picking which books people should read, right? To get certified, where the question is going to come from. So they're based on fact and that sort of thing. So it really also helps me keep on top of what's going on in our industry and the cutting edge science, like behind organizing and our brain and productivity and all of that time management. So it's really, I love being on that committee. Wow. So that really kind of brings up really kind of an interesting way to come into the topic of uh, how did you get involved in this? Because it wasn't really that kind of a field, it sounds like, when you first got started. I didn't realize the field was that new, actually. So what got you into organizing as something you do? I mean, I, you must have a passion for this or something to just jump into this without being no organization that you're joining or a career path necessarily. So how, how did you get into organizing? Well, there was an organization and admittedly, they had been around, I think it was like 25 years before, but it didn't really become known until probably like sort of householdy in every magazine until I was probably like about six or seven or eight years kind of in. So, you know, now it's like there's real simple. And if you open any woman's magazine or even non-woman magazine, you see stuff about organizing. There's TV shows about organizing. That happened even before like a lot of the popularity now. There's always like new famous organizers. But when I started, I actually didn't know that it was a profession. So that was in 2003. I was in the entertainment industry. I came from a background of music entertainment and then public radio and TV. And I work with artists like John Mellencamp and Public Enemy and bands like that. I was really big into music. I had a degree in public relations and I said, I want to be a publicist in the music industry. So that's what I did. And then I wanted to be, instead of like publicizing, I wanted to actually create more content. As I got more into public radio and TV and being in production, it's like, I really want to do more of that. Instead of publicizing what other people make, I want to make content. But I just kept hitting roadblocks, even though I knew a ton of people in the industry, I was getting nowhere. I was still like doing the stuff I was doing before, the the publicizing, the publicist, which I was really good at. I know I had a degree in that. I was good at it. But Finally, one day I was working with a producer and she had hired me to redo her media kit and like publicize her, her new business. So she was leaving a big public television entity and starting her own company. And as I was going through her old material to write new stuff and looking at what she'd done so I could write new press releases and starting her business, I saw this thing, Julie Morgenstern, organizing from the inside out. And it was a public television show that she had produced. And I was like, oh, organizing is a profession because up until then I did hear, I kept hearing this word in my head. That's like what I call my still inner voice. It kept saying organizing. And I kept saying, Erica, that's not a job. Cause I knew it was talking to me about like my <laughs> job and my, my career and where I was going. And I always believed in a vocation. Like you don't just do something to make money. You do something that you love. I, even when I was little, I always believed that I always followed that. So I was like, that's not, that's not a job. It's not a job. And then when I read this press release, I thought, <gasps> It's a job. And I instantly knew that that's what I was. Like, you know, you just have an epiphany and this like bright light kind of thing where I thought, oh my gosh, it's a job and that's what I am. I'm an organizer. So I literally just from then on, I just started calling people like, does anyone know an organizer? Like around here, the people that I thought might know an organizer. And after a few calls, I finally like met an organizer that had a business, but she wanted to like farm out some work. And she immediately sort of basically is like, you can take clients from me until you get started. And literally, it was one of those things where everything fell into place so easily, not where I was struggling, where I had been in in the entertainment industry that I couldn't break into as doing as much production as I wanted. This was the opposite, you know, where everything fell into place, where I instantly had income, 
And then I just started working on what my website was going to be like so I could go out on my own and not work with this other organizer who I'm still friends with and all these years later and she still has her business. So I knew that it was the right path, you know, when everything just works out, you just and you loved it. And I realized that what I thought about organizing, which is like it was more sort of the bad part of me. When I say that, I mean, sort of that shadow side of me that was likes things really orderly and sometimes can be the other extreme of like, I have to have order and I really like order. But I realized that that's not really what it was. And I think that's what I was pushing it away. I thought that it wasn't creative. I thought it was that, you know, rigidness of myself. But I realized that I could take like that shadow side of me instead of pushing my shadow away. As Jung says, we have to, we need to embrace our shadow sides. That if I took that, I was basically transforming it into like a gift to the world. Like, because I'm so good at it. I'm naturally good at it. I see order out of chaos that other people don't see. I know how to fix it. So that's what happened. I just really, I realized it was super creative. Like every client was different. I had to come up with different, it wasn't like this rote thing where I wasn't going to be creative because I, I'm very creative and I like to create new things. I don't want to just do the same thing all the time. I can't do the same thing all the time. So it was like this perfect job because it was different clients all the time who had different needs, but I could still bring in my expertise, which obviously got bigger over time over the years. Like, but I did just like dive in and I did know like, this is right for me. And I have skills naturally. I didn't, you know what I mean? I was just knew that I was bringing stuff to the table right away. That just was inherent to who I was that I knew how to do stuff, but I'm still always learning from my client. Like every single day, like yesterday, I, one of my clients had this really big challenge that I actually never had seen in a client before. And by working with her and figuring it out, like I learned something new from that, you know? So it was really cool. Like she definitely, she was just the kind of person that every time I asked her something, because I have a coach approach, she'd say, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I don't know. And I, and I had to give her like this analogy that I didn't want to build something for her unless I understood what she didn't like about the old system that wasn't working for her and what she might like, because otherwise it's like walking into a shop and being like, Oh, I want a dress. So the woman at the desk might say to you, well, like, what do you want the dress for? And what colors look good on you? You know, the more information that you get, you're not going to like come out and like just show someone like a little black dress when they want something for a wedding, you know what I mean? Like, and they like long dresses and they like natural material. Like, so I was having to like pull, figure out ways to get information from her instead of building something. And then her going like, oh, I don't like this. And then we have to change it. So I never really like work with a client who had that much like, I don't know. I don't, I mean, people say, I don't know to me all the time, but not as much as her. So anyways, that's it. So I'm always learning from my clients and I love it. That's great. I, I do want to take a step back though. Cause I, yeah. I know a lot of folks say, they find, like you mentioned about it, having an epiphany and say, this is really what I want to do. And a lot of solopreneurs kind of get started that way, but I'm, I'm curious in your case, was it like a, a hard shift? Like were, were you an employee before you started and, and did you go immediately to full-time organizer? Did you have a gradual shift? What did that process look like of becoming what you were to what you are today? How how yeah. long did that take and how did that happen? I mean, I know you talked about having, thankfully, almost like a mentor, right? Who can provide work to you. I had a similar situation in copywriting when I first got started. But mm-hmm. for you, how did that process of making the transition into that full-time, how long did that take? What did you do to make that happen? So at, when I started, I was freelancing. So I was doing like freelance PR and production stuff, but not enough. Like I had it, I was still had been looking for a full-time job. I was like, I didn't, I at the time thought that I didn't want to be, even though I had in my head, oh, I want to have my own business. I always had that in my head, but I had some like blocks I had to clear, which I did. So what happened was when I started doing the organizing, 
only for a really short period. Because sometimes people have asked me this question and I literally went back because I couldn't remember. I have the worst memory. And I looked at my calendar to see like when I, like how long that took me and how, you know, what I was doing in, in tandem before I suddenly was like, okay, I don't do that anymore. I just do organizing. And it really was super quick It re- because she gave me all this work. Like she literally had a really big business and she was not even working full time in it. So she basically was giving me almost all the work. It was just one of those things that fell in my lap that obviously just didn't really fell in my lap. It was meant to be right kind of thing. So it really only took me about three months where I had a little overlap of like my other, the freelance stuff I was doing that I could like let go of that, you know, and be like, okay, now I'm just doing, and that was a little bit scary. And then it took me about, I'd say, I think it was seven months before I said, okay, now I have my own website and I'm not working with you anymore. You can give me clients, but then it's a referral fee. It was like a different setup where I, and I remember that was scary too. When I really said, okay, my website's live now and I'm on my own. And I thought, oh my gosh, (laughs) now I don't have that like blanket. I felt like I didn't have that protection or something anymore, which is kind of crazy because she was still giving me clients. But then immediately I just started getting clients on my own too, because I had a website and I knew what I was doing marketing wise. Right. So it was really quick for me, but I don't, I always tell people like everybody's journey is completely different and you have to follow you know, what I called, like I just said, my, you're still in her voice. You have to know like yourself, know your situation, you know, do you have other people that are bringing in income? Like I didn't have any of that, like, but I also didn't have any dependents. So I could, I had more freedom and some, you can't just, I have found it's really bad, even though sometimes I do it in a, in a moment of weakness, compare yourself to somebody else. Like, I think it's good to get tips and like ideas, what worked, but didn't, and then take that and see how you can modify it for your own situation. And And once again, listen to your still inner voice and like no one else's because it's there. And if you listen to it, it's going to give you like, you know, gold. Yeah. Great points. And, and that is so true. You, you have to listen to your own circumstance. Mm-hmm. And, and obviously if you have to support a family, that's a little bit different risk level and different risk tolerance than if it's just yourself and say, Hey, you know, worst case scenario, uh, maybe I live in a cardboard box for a month, <laughs> get back on my feet, worst case scenario, whatever. Right. Not that anybody wants to go that route, but that's... Uh, no, this. but I do think it's a good question to ask yourself, which I didn't make this up, but if the worst thing happens, can I go back to where I am now? Can I just get back? I think Michael Gerber might have said that. I don't know. I read that a million years ago. And I, I think it's a really good question because you get scared and you think, okay, I'm going to lose all this money. I'm going to lose whatever. You have all these catastrophizing in your head. Can you just say, okay, if the, if the worst thing happens that I imagine, can I go back to where I am now? Will it, do I have a path to just get back to this? And if you do that, you probably will get to be more brave and do things that are braver. Right. Because in, in a sense, what you're doing is you're, you're mitigating the risk right off the bat because you know your path. And that's always smart. And uh, another person, Mark Ford, talks about you being a chicken entrepreneur. In other words, build your business until it's at a point where you know it can support you and there's less risk from leaving your current circumstance. If you're in a job or if you're currently doing a different type of freelance work, like you were doing different type of freelance work. That just makes sense to grow that. that. That was kind of my plan when I went into full-time solopreneurship, except for I got laid off and I said, well, fine, I'm taking a leap. <laughs> and I did. And it wasn't as easy as I anticipated, but it was still the right decision for, for my family and myself. Right. But it was, it was tough. Yeah, you don't want to take the tough route if you can avoid it. So plan ahead and try to make the best of things. If you're trying to be a new business owner as a solopreneur, Look at all the options out there for growing before you take a massive leap off a cliff and hope you can build a you know like some kind of parachute on the way down. You had you had help making that transition. I had help making that transition. I had mentors who 
who actually gave me a little bit of work as well and, and gave me advice. If you can get under the arms or wings, you could say, of, of a coach or a mentor or somebody who can give you that kind of help, especially in your own field, that, that's going to be really helpful to anyone, I think. Let's talk about the clients you're working with today. You say you like the variety, and, and, and I, I'm kind of the same way. I was like, give me a little bit of the, 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 the squirrel over here and over there because it keeps life interesting for me as well. What kind of clients do you work with today? And who, who, would, who would you consider as the best fit kind of client? I know it's going to be a variety, but who, who do you best work with now? Yeah. So it's, it's, it's interesting that you asked me this question. I'm about to change my business and go in a not different direction, but niche really much smaller. So I'll tell you what I'm doing now. And then I'm telling you, and literally, this has just been the last week that I've just solidified this. I think it's been a long time coming. But once again, there's that fear, and I have it too, that creeps in and goes, what if I give up all of this? Will I be able to? And I, even though I intellectually know I can do that, you know, I've done it before where I've changed my whole life, you know, changed around things. It's still a bit scary because I've been doing it for 18 years this one way, right? So the clients I work with now are business owners, entrepreneurs, people that work for other people in their offices and in their homes, organizing their physical organization. So literally, it can be like a file system, a pantry, their kitchen, their whole home, and then also time management processes and systems for entrepreneurs. So it can be like a receipt system, like they just have all this paperwork coming in and they don't handle it well and they t- waste a lot of time, they lose things. So it can be like a paper flow system, a file system that what can we make electronic, you know, for entrepreneurs, same thing. Time management. I'm really big on helping people who work for themselves, whether they're professors, because professors are kind of like entrepreneurs too. They have a lot of free time and don't really organize it that well usually because usually the way their brains work are not like creating organizational systems. Time management, boundaries. I love working on boundaries. Like how do you create boundaries even within your work time and space, but also your personal life and your work, especially nowadays with technology and all the social media. I'm really, really, really passionate about that, about how we create those boundaries. So I'm in the physical space and I'm doing physical work. And usually we start with that and then we move to the stuff that's not physical. So it can be like computer and organizing files and like what you let go of and delegate to other people in your business as an entrepreneur so that you can stay in, in the area that you're really like use your superpower, a letting go of that, like how the technology can help create boundaries. And then so once we get the physical, you can't really do the stuff that's not physical when you don't have the physical organized because you can't like say, okay, now I'm going to work on my marketing when you can't even find your marketing folder. You know what I mean? So you need to have the physical first and then I move people to Let's work on that time stuff. I'm also always helping people change their mindset, their thinking, and their habits because that's my holistic approach. You can't keep doing what you've done before and how are you going to maintain a new system if you don't change that? So there's a lot of habit like involved in that. And so I'm working on what people believe around their systems and how do we change your, your habits so that you can maintain whatever new thing we set up, right? Because they're doing something the old way and now they want to do it a new way to, to get a different result. They have to change the habits. So usually that's involved too. So yeah, so that's what I'm doing. And what I'm going towards is to let go of all the residential. So I work with people in their homes. Like I just said, I'll do, I do everything in people's homes to just working with entrepreneurs and just around processes and systems, whether it's computer related, the boundaries that I talked about, that sort of thing. I'm just in the process of being hired as a consultant for a woman business entity that that's what I would be teaching one-on-one and also presentations where they're going to get all that information. And then how do they 
start their own business in that way. So more beginner organized people beginning their businesses. But I also work with a lot of entrepreneurs that have been in business a long time and have systems that don't work. And sometimes they're also consultants, not just entrepreneurs sense of like, I work with therapists, for instance, they have the same issues that entrepreneurs like that have a business that has five people working for them. Similar, like, oh, they've been in business years, but they don't have any good processes and systems. It takes them ages and they're doing their own bookkeeping, you know, that kind of thing. We're right. helping them look at like, I gotta say, there are, there are bookkeepers just for realtors. There are bookkeepers that just work with therapists. Like they're not that expensive. Like you're like struggling with every check that comes in and like, you know, so I help people like, what do you let go of? What do you delegate? All of that. I just want to point out also, oftentimes as you grow your business, you'll have systems that work at one stage of business that they need to be revamped as you grow. You're not going to always use the exact same system forever. You, right. you will find some things exactly. will work forever and some things you're going to have to modify to, to fit changing environment. That's just right. the way things are. And that's, that's why sometimes you need to go back and reevaluate. Are your systems filling the purpose that you created them for? Or do you need to update them? I'm sure Erica's going to be able to share with that because that's what I want to talk about now. Because I mean, when most people think of organizing, you talk about like, you know, getting rid of the clutter on your desks and then your, your drunk drawer or computer files or whatever it is. And disorganization and clutter is, is certainly, <laughs> it brings about an environment that's not conducive to success and having a peaceful atmosphere. But disorganization and clutter also affects more than just the physical. And then you kind of, kind of talked about that a little bit already just right then. So what are some strategies that you would recommend people can use to kind of start this process and let me get my life back on track? I'm, I, I'm overwhelmed by chaos around me. My desk is a mess. My doors are a mess. My schedule is a mess. Where do you start? I mean, that, that's, a, that's a big job. So where do you start at? So I think if we step one little step back and I tell you what I think the mistakes are that I see and then the remedies for them, that people will get it more than me just saying, this is like what you need to do. Because then you can say, okay, is, is this something that I'm doing? This is a mistake I'm making. And then these are some simple things you can do. I mean, they're, they're simple to do, but when you've been doing something different way for a long time, they can be, it can be difficult to change your habits, right? Because we get, our, we have neural pathways in our brains that are really deep because we just keep going down them. Um, the same, like the same when we think about our subconscious. So the one big thing I see mistake that people make is they are being reactive instead of proactive. So if you think about, do you know this book, The Way of the Peaceful Warrior? I have not read it, but I am familiar with the title. Uh, yeah, it's a really famous book by Dan Millman. And he says in this book, I remember when I read it, I thought this totally applies to business. A warrior acts and the fool react, only reacts. So if we want to like be in that state of flow and also be more productive, we have to make sure that we're a thermostat, not a thermometer. So a thermometer just reacts to the environment, right? It just tells you what's going on. But a thermostat changes the temperature. And the biggest thing that I think like that. I can, what I see people can do, like it's a simple thing. And I have to tell you, a lot of my clients buck me on this. And I have to say, I know I'm an outlier. And I'm going to tell you why I think it's a good idea. <laughs> and then why people tell me all the objections to why they can't do it. If you want to create a really good boundary so you can get more done in your business is think about your the, your mobile phone and think about how you use it. The biggest thing I think people can do is to have a different number for their business, a separate number for their personal life and their business. And it can even still be one phone. You can have an app on your phone that is your business number and you turn it on when you work and you turn it off when you don't work. 
I know this seems scary to a lot of people because they're just so used to being connected all the time. What I, I call it constantly connected. You can do that in your personal life too, where you're just always connected, right? Like you just don't put your phone down ever. And this helps you create a boundary between your personal and your business life. And as you know, when we create these like better boundaries, our brains, our bodies have a time to like rest, rejuvenate, actually be more creative. As you know, you come up with like really great ideas when you're not in your business, when you are out taking a walk, when you're dancing somewhere, when you're in the shower, because that's when your brain is resting. It's having a time to rejuvenate. So that is like one thing that I really tell people, can you just do that and see what happens. I also say to people, you don't have to believe me, just do it and see if you see a difference. If you literally have like a, a strong boundary, like what I call a sacred, you know, boundary. And that's one thing that I think really can help people. The other big mistake. Yep. Go ahead. You want to say? Yeah. I was, I was, when you're talking about the the tech and it's funny, we, we just released an episode here on Solopreneur Success recently by Dr. Heidi Forbes-Zesta, who has actually talked about that importance of boundaries with your cell phone device, especially. And, and that's, so, that's so true. And I, uh, I think I might have mentioned in that episode, but if I didn't, <laughs> so listeners know, I mean, what I do is I actually, I put my phone on do not disturb and I usually keep it across the room from me and I rarely answer the phone at all during business hours unless I'm expecting a call. That just, it prevents the interruption of, of my brain cycle and what I'm doing. And if it's something that's important, there's something called voicemail. <laughs> I can always check it later and get back to somebody. Now, that may not be the case where it's workable for every business type. But in, in the case of, of my work, it does work very well for me. And if it works for you, maybe something to try. Yeah, and I think that it's workable for more business types than people think. They have a lot of objections. They're like, oh, yeah, I don't want to have two phones. But like you said, you can have one phone and still do it if you get the right technology. And or I'm going to like lose business. Okay, so the business that you lose, trust me, it's not going to be the right kind of client if they have to constantly be connected to you. Like, I, especially even if you talk about realtors, realtors have that mentality. I've worked with realtors who are like, but I have to be there all the time because otherwise I lose the sale. They go to somewhere else or they need to like, they need to talk to me about the P&L at midnight, which and it really is a is a fallacy, even in that kind of industry. There's very few like if you work in an industry where like it's an emergency, like people are calling you because they're bleeding. Of course, that's your job. <laughs> and that, those are the hours you're, and you're going to be working in those hours because that's that's when you're available. So that's a entirely different thing, but it's still containerized in the hour that you work. So I think people have to sort of get to a different mindset around that. And like I said, just do it and see what happens. See, do you lose business? Do you even know who your ideal client is? And then knowing that you're still going to be in, if you if you narrow down your ideal client to people who are accepting that you don't work 24 hours. I mean, I have had new clients that come into my life that will say, like one said to me recently, a few months ago, I don't know if this is going to work because I want you to be available whenever I need you. And I said, oh, yeah, we're definitely not going to be a good fit. <laughs> you're right. Because she goes, my other, my organizer before you, I could call her anytime. I could text her anytime. And I said, oh, yeah, that isn't me because my phone will be off when I'm not working. And I'll get it the next morning and I'll respond. But she definitely saw that as a problem. And I was OK with us not working out because I knew that that I'd, I'm OK giving that kind of client up because I don't want that lifestyle. You know, I don't want to be the person that's available all the time. Exactly. It'll make me actually not perform better. Like if I said, oh, yeah, I'll do that. I'm going to not be performing better because I don't have that like okay, I'm not working now, downtime, you know, to rejuvenate myself and to take myself away from the work and not be connected to my clients. Right. It's kind so, of productive to what you do even and what you're, yeah. pro you're a proponent of for your clients. And, and by the way, there's, there's other ways you can, you can handle issues like 
Yes, I've, I've seen numbers about if you respond faster than others, like the real estate agent example you mentioned. Yes, there might be a time when a fast response makes a difference, but you can also hire help. Get a VA who handles those off hours and can do the, exactly. the, the typical, here's a quick response on this property, and they can just know your book of business or whatever, and, and just provide the information that's probably the same question 90% of the time anyways. And if it's a, if it's yep. a new question, find a way to handle that with your VA so you can take time off. I think that's really a, a solution that just about anybody can do. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Like come up with those solutions. Don't don't keep everything on your plate. But then you hear people say, oh, but I can't afford, I hear people say to me all the time, my client, I can't afford a big keeper. I can't afford a VA. There's definitely ways that almost anyone can afford that. Starting off small, starting off with a few hours until you make more. Because when you delegate, you're going to make more because you're going to be doing the thing you do super well. Which and you're going to bring in more clients and more money, and you know you're going to increase your income. So it's just about, like I said, you don't have to believe any of it. Just do it. Start small. Hire somebody who, like you just said, maybe it's the off hours, maybe it's on your on hours, but you're not answering the phone anymore, and you're not reading your emails. They're doing that. And when you set up systems where they have templates, like you just said, you have things that come in. You realize, oh, I don't have a template for that. Then you write a template for that, and then the VA can answer that. You know what I mean? You don't just like throw someone in there, you know, and expect that they know what to do doing. You have a manual, you have processes, you have templates so that they can do that work for you. And that frees you up to do, to have your downtown and to do what you do best and stay in your, your superpower. So uh, definitely, I agree with 100% with that. I kind of get you off track a little bit, but I just thought that was so important to talk about that. And I'm, I'm glad you had a chance to kind of bring that up for our audience. So what else could you suggest for people who are trying to get started? Like getting that, that brain free, uh, like space, like you said, yeah. by just clearing so, that time. Well, what else would you suggest? Yeah, I mean, that wasn't really off track. It was just like a, a, <laughs> a what we were talking deeper about. Deeper dive. <laughs> <laughs> well, the other mistake I see people make is that continual interruptions and distractions. And once again, technology is usually the culprit. And you have to think of technology as, you know, it's not the technology that's the problem. It's the way we're using it. So a lot of people say, Oh, it's the, the phone's fault. It's my computer's fault. It's my boss's fault. Like always like blaming other people and, and the devices. It's more about like how we use them. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's how, that's the thing. So the more distractions and interruptions we let in, that's the other thing. People like to always say they don't have control over the interruptions and distractions and blame everybody, like their kids, their spouse, their coworkers. But if you think about it right, you can build in ways once again, to be proactive, to set them up so they're not interrupting you. And then also you're not interrupting yourself. So I always say there's different kinds of interruptions. There's ones you create, like even if you were by yourself in a bubble, you can still create your own distractions. And then ones that other people are creating, but you can still slow them down and get rid of them if you work with them, um, right? So for instance, if people are interrupting you, like you have, a, and like now a lot of people are working from home and you have interruptions all the time, you can talk to those people and say, okay, I am going to be like working. And when I'm working, there's going to sign, there's a sign on the door that says, you know, don't come in, I'm working. And that means I'm going to be actually more available to you when I'm not working. But the thing is, you have to really do that. You can't be working than when you're with your family. That's just one example, or with your friends or whoever they are, you have to really then be totally with them. So I was working with a speaker recently. And that's what he was saying, like, oh, my wife, you know, wants to chat with me. When I go when I go out to like grab some more water, she's like talking to me about home stuff. I don't want to be interrupted. I want to go back to my office and work. And I was saying to him, set it up so like you take lunch with her because you need a break anyways. It's been proven that people who take break, like there's a Canadian study, people who take breaks, that they actually their brain works better if they get away from their work and have a lunch away from their office and do something like out in nature. 
they even like rate the different kinds of things you can do and how much better people are, like how much more productivity, that their productivity increases. So I'm like, give her that time that is just for her. And then you can get back and then she won't interrupt you anymore because she knows that when you're with her, you're totally with her. You're not going to be on your phone and taking a business call, talking to an attorney, like working. So it's about stopping those interruptions, but then creating something that's going to create a better environment that the people in your life can understand. You know what I mean? And the same thing with the ones that you interrupt yourself. So like set a timer where you're going to like work on something specifically, this one thing, you're going to work on that and then you're going to get out. You know what I mean? Like you are really saying to yourself, I'm creating this boundary. So it's not going to suck up all my time. I'm going to work on this for 15 minutes because I've been avoiding it. And then I can go back to something else that I'm doing. So distractions, interruptions, super big, figure out those ways. I mean, there's a lot of ways to do it. And when I work one-on-one with people, I'm looking at their specific situation. So what is the biggest problem? Is it people coming in and wanting to talk with you, coming into your office? And then I give them like scripts for that, that so they can handle that. So for instance, if someone is always interrupting them in their office, they can say to them, this sounds really important, what you want to talk to me about. Let's set up a time where I can really focus on it instead of letting that person come in and break your flow when you're in the flow of doing something so that they can understand, wow, okay, they do really care about this issue. I'm going to talk with me, but right now they can't do it. And they see it as a win-win. Do you know what I mean? Like they don't see that you're rejecting them. They see that you want to even more focus on them by giving them a time that's just devoted to them. Does that make sense? Absolutely. It it reminds me a little bit of uh, a leadership consultant named Kevin Cruz. He had read an article some years ago back on Forbes. I'll have to look up the article and, and, and share it on the show notes here. So look for that in the show notes. I'll find it later. But he said the three words that would just terrify him with people come knocking his door and say, got a minute? I said, I don't have a minute. So he actually put a sign up on his door with number 1,440 on it because there's 1,440 minutes in a day. And every time there was a distraction interruption of the day, that was stealing from that. And it wasn't that he didn't want to be open to the people that he was working with and, and that were, you know, he was leading. But at the same time, he had to provide that boundary like you're talking about. And I thought that was such a, a genius way to say, look, just putting that sign up there when people learn what it was, they'll come to the door and say, hmm, is this really important that I need to interrupt him right now? Or can this wait to our next meeting or whatever? So, you know, I know this is an audience of solopreneurs, but we often have other people in our lives who maybe be family, or maybe it's you're working in a co-working space, or, or maybe an entrepreneur, you've grown past the solopreneur thing, or maybe you have VAs or whatever, but set those boundaries. And that's kind of what we're talking about all along here is, is boundaries yeah. and, and making sure that you're, you're working efficiently so that you can have that peace and, and actually produce something that's meaningful and valuable in your day. And those people in your life, whether they're coworkers or family or friends, will recognize the positivity that comes from it, like the better way that comes from it. Because if you stick to it, like I said, you got to stick to it. They're going to notice you're more present when you're with them because you're not doing two things. And you're going to notice an increase in your productivity and your flow because you're not doing those two things. And if you're proactive and you set it up that you're telling people about this, instead of waiting till you get angry because they come in, you're saying, I'm setting up this new system so I can be more proactive and I can be more productive. They will like, love you for it. You know what I mean? Like, it's funny, my mother who knows my boundaries, like she knows them and she knows like, don't call Erica in the middle of the day. She's not going to answer. Like, I don't even answer because I know like it's going to be a distraction. But so I know like she called me in the middle of the day. It's probably an emergency, which doesn't happen. You know what I mean? Because we always think, oh, there's an emergency. What if an emergency happens? Uh, how, how often is it really an emergency? Like we've created this like catastrophizing in our brain. But she says to me, 
I think because she's getting older and she's sort of like more that she's not forgotten my boundaries, but that she has a need more sometimes to want to connect to me because she has more emotions coming up. So she said, with your brothers, I can call them anytime and they just answer the phone. But you, I know, like I have to wait until like at nighttime when you're not working. And I said to her, but don't you see the difference between me and my brother? Because my two of my brothers, they like literally if you're with them, they could be taking a business call like if it's midnight or something. They're just working all the time. They'll go off and like they're talking to somebody about work and you're like at the beach with them. Like I said to her, do you ever see me do that? When I'm with you, I'm with you. My phone is away. I'm hanging out with you. It's personal time. You'll never see me working when I'm... I was just reminding her that you're getting the good part, but you're getting that part you don't like too. You're getting the part where like, you can't call me at noon uh, because I'm not, even if I'm sitting in my office, I'm not going to answer because I'm focused on my work. But then later when I'm talking to you, I'm not distracted by my work, right? And when I'm out with you, I'm with you 100%. So I think that's what we have to think about is like having that sacred time. And we are better person. We are like more present in all ways to the other people in our lives. And I think this is something we have forgotten that one of the biggest things I think that gifts we can give people is being present to them. I know there's different languages of love and some people that's not their top language, but I really think that we've forgotten that, that just being really present to someone and hearing them is really something that's important as, as human beings to each other. And that is going to help your business too. It's not just going to help your personal life. It's going to help both. Yeah. That, that That's so important being present. I know when I started my business, my goal was to be present and there for my family. And I can say there's been times, even as a solopreneur, that I could be working at home and I'm not at all present. And there's other times when I have been. And you can tell the difference and your family knows the difference. And those who, who are you're close okay. to know the difference. So take the time to establish those boundaries and, and take the time now to maybe say, maybe I need to reestablish some boundaries. And talking about taking the time, I just want to kind of bring up here that Erica has graciously agreed to be a guest trainer for our community, the Solopreneur Success Connections community. And I'm, we actually just right before this interview started, we were, we were just talking for a while before. And I always love talking with Erica. And you know what? I'm just going to give you time right now. Put this on your calendar right now, December 6th, 2021, 4 p.m. Eastern time. If you're Pacific time, it's 1 p.m., 4 p.m. Eastern time, Monday, December 6th. Just block out an hour right now because Eric is going to come and teach in our community about how to use these skills and a lot more on getting your life back on track and in order so that you can set those boundaries and know how to do that and make it work for your life, the way your life is working. It's going to be kind of interactive a bit. I want you to, to, you're going to come here prepared to learn and it's free. I mean, if you're a member of this community, it's free and, and membership is free. So you can always get the membership page link from the show notes page. And I'll give you the link after the end of this conversation as I always do, but come to that, learn something that'll help you make your life peaceful and able to be set up for success in a way that you want to be, go to the next level. So let's talk about the next level, Erica. One, one last question for you today. I, I really appreciate your time. You've kind of talked about how you're making that transition. I, I love niching because I think it's so important. So how, how do you see this transition going for you? And what, what do you expect that to do for your business? I want to hear a little bit more about that. It's better than scary. because <laughs> I'm really in the midst of it. So I have to summon my bravery <laughs> to, get, to like keep taking those steps. So this what it looks like to me is getting like more support. So like having more coaching involved, having a business manager and a new VA involved in that. So uh, transitioning, like, you know, when you talked about systems that they have to change, 
So changing some of my systems because when you have a bigger team, you need some more stuff to be online and virtual. So like, for instance, my database that even though I've had help before isn't online, so it's going to be transitioned to be online so that my CRM and all the contacts, someone else can access that. They can put in notes, they can call people back, they can say that they talk to some. You can do that before when it was just on my computer, right? So it's going to be a different platform. That's It, it sounds weird, but this is that thing that scares me the most because I'm used to my platform. I've been using it. Even before 18, I've been using FileMaker Pro for so even before I started my business and I love it. And this platform is going to be different. So it's going to be a learning curve, even though I've been in it and building it. Take, and then also new process and system that my business manager is like working on that are going to help me work with the VN, work with her, the, all of that. Like, ch- like, just like you said, changing those processes, system, bringing in, seeing what, what works, like the manual. I already have manuals for people that can work, you know, working with me, but how are those going to be modified to, for the new systems, but keeping some stuff that's already working. So that's not really what I'm working on right now with my business manager. Like what's going to stay, what's going to get modified, what's going to go, what gets handed off and who it gets handed off to so that there's more people on the team. I already have some team members, but not enough. So I'm going to need more to make this transition. And then I'm also rebranding. So I'm in the process of hiring like doing the inner work, I'm about to start like, what does that inner work look like in terms of my speaking and that the new direction? And then what does it look like in the concretely? Like, so am I changing my logo? You know, am I, am I modifying even my title of what I'm doing? And so I ha- I'm just starting that. And so, you know, what does that look like in terms of language? So that when I'm rebranding, like I always felt like my, my brand now doesn't have a few elements of my personality in it that are a little bit missing. People get that if they talk to me, but they don't get it when they see my brand and my website. It also looks like obviously a new website, totally different. It'll be completely different. And it looks like also having more entry points for people to work with me. So there's not just one-on-one, but there'll be different entry points like membership. There'll be more groups. I'll be running more programs and groups that I'm running myself instead of other people just hiring me so that people at different price points can enter and work with me. Yeah, that's what it looks like. And during this training that we're going to do, I'm going to get into like the science behind a lot of that stuff that helps you with the time management and productivity and giving you like studies and also things to do within. It is going to be interactive, like you said, Steve, because if you, I want people to walk away with concrete things they can change instead of just listening to me talk. I'm not just going to like talk at you. <laughs> You're going to have things to do that are going to get you to change what isn't working for you. That's awesome. I'm really looking forward to that training. That's going to be a lot of fun. Again, that's December 6th at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific. And Erica, in case somebody comes along and says, oh, I missed it because I heard the episode too late or whatever, that's always going to happen. Where can people find you at? Living-harmony.org. And all my info is on there. And also, you're going to post the training too, right? So people can, in the community, they get to listen to it later, right? If they miss it, right? If they're a patron or higher, yes. Our right. patron and higher members get access to all the recordings. And at the time we're recording this, I think we have like 25 or 26 trainings already recorded and available to all the patron above members. And first month, $7. So if you just want to try it for one month, go through a, a massive training month and, and, and downgrade to free. That's perfectly fine with me. You can do whatever you want to do, but that is available to our patron and higher members. So uh, take advantage of that for sure. And yeah, this is going to be a lot of fun though. But if you can come live, I always find when we say we're going to do something like watch a recording, we don't always get the same value out of it as we do. And we say, I'm putting this on my calendar because this is important to me and I'm going to attend it live. There's sometimes that the interaction, of course, you get the opportunity to ask Eric any questions that come up 
when you're thinking about it in the Q&A box, because it's a webinar-style format, and say, I, I wish I had the chance to ask her where if you come live, you can. <laughs> so come live, if, you, if at all possible. That'll definitely help you. And with all the trainings, it's always best if you can set the time aside in your schedule, come live, make it a priority, because a priority means that it's number one thing for that particular point in time. And I, I know that will be. Well, Erica, this has been a wonderful conversation. Looking forward to our next time that we get together for that training on December 6th. Any last words for our audience before you run? Well, thanks for having me. I love talking about this kind of work and helping people in this way to be more be more productive and help them in their businesses. So yeah, I would just say my last thing would be the reminder to just have a growth mindset and know that anything that's not working, you can always change. Even if you've been doing it for a long time, we all have the capacity to change within us. It's just about our belief if we believe that or not and get the support that you need. That's a big thing. Getting the support if you need the help to change, if you're not going to do it on your own or if you haven't done it on your own. Awesome. Thanks, Erica. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to the Solopreneur Success Podcast. We hope you discovered valuable advice on how to start and grow your own successful solopreneur business. If you liked the podcast, you'll love the all-new Solopreneur Success Connections community at solopreneurcoach.com. Here you'll get exclusive access to our private, members-only community of business builders, free business building resources, and live online monthly training designed to accelerate your business success. Join us now at solopreneurcoach.com. Hey, solopreneurs, it's Steve Combs again. You can download the show notes for this episode at solopreneurcoach.com forward slash 045. If you enjoyed my interview with Erica, be sure to join us next Monday, December 6th, when Erica will be our featured guest trainer for our next live training event. During that training, Erica will go into detail on how to make every minute of your day more productive and less stressful without adding a single item to your to-do list. If you're a longtime listener of the podcast, you already know members of the Solopreneur Success Connections community get free entrance to every live member training. And membership is free too. So if you're not a member, be sure to use the link to join free found on every show notes page and come join us. Again, the show notes page for this episode can be found at solopreneurcoach.com forward slash 045. Thank you for listening.